0: Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is the word of our Lord years ago a major American company built their built their factory down in a specific place in Panama and in this area it was it was rural it was a very poor area a barter economy and they wanted people from that area to start working in that factory the problem was that for just a week worth of work when they paid these workers in cash that was more money than they had seen in a lifetime And so the problem that they had was keeping these workers. They would get enough money and say to themselves, why would I possibly need any more money than this? And they quit. And so what the executives decided to do was they came up with a plan. They decided to hand out to all of their workers Sears catalogs. And the people started to see what the Americans have in their homes all of a sudden people stopped quitting their jobs. You see, the executives in this company played off of one of the main weaknesses in mankind, materialism, greed. This parable that Jesus teaches us today, he talks about what true riches actually look like. And in order to start this parable, to preface it, he gives us a one-line statement. He says this, and it's something that we're all going to agree with. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And I think as you hear that phrase, you think, yeah, you know, I agree with that. That is my motto in life. Again, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But what I want you to think about as we go through this story is how similar this rich man's life sounds like your life. Here's the parable. There was a man who was a farmer, and he had an incredible year for harvest. So incredible that he couldn't even store it all. So what did he do? Well, he was a forward-thinking businessman. He tore down his, his old barns, and he built bigger ones. And what did he say afterwards? He said, ah, finally. Finally, I have enough money to retire. I can take life easy. Finally, I get to enjoy the fruits of my labor, he Well, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, is there? There's nothing wrong with with wanting to gain equity. There's nothing wrong with trying to forward your career. There's nothing wrong, and we all do the same thing. We plan for our retirement. We, We save money. In fact, we would even say the opposite. That's actually good stewardship. That's what God wants us to do with the blessings that he has given to us. But just for our purposes right now as we look at this parable, I just want you to consider how similar this rich man's life sounds like yours and how Jesus calls him a fool. You see, the rich fool was a fool because he forgot about something very important. People die. See, this would have been an ingenious plan if he would have lived forever. He was completely prepared for this life, wasn't he? He had everything that he needed for this life. But that's as far as he looked in the future. And you can even see him saying that when he says to himself in verse 19, take life easy, right? He hadn't even thought further past that. And I honestly, I don't know how Satan does it. I don't know how Satan can blind people from the inevitable, death. How do people not think of the afterlife? And that's just my point, you know, in in general, people do not think of the afterlife. They put so much time and work into this life, the here and now. And I think there's two reasons for that. The first one is because people in America, in general, are very confused about the afterlife. According to statistics, only 80% of Americans believe in the afterlife. You might say, well, maybe that's a pretty good statistic, actually. 80% of them. But of those 80%, less than half of those people believe that Jesus contributes to their salvation. And a very small percentage of those people believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And, And here's my point in general. My point is that people in America are incredibly confused about the afterlife, about what happens at the point of death. And you would think that the obvious solution would be that, well, people are going to dig into it. They're going to try to find out the answer to what happens on the day that you die. But something else happens. Satan has allowed other problems and stresses in our lives, doesn't he? As Americans, what are the three main priorities that we have? Work, money, and family. Those three things, that pretty much entails every stress, every urgent situation that we have in life. And so that that big question of the afterlife, you just kind of push it off, say, I'll deal with that one later when I have some time. So that's the excuse for Americans in general. But we are not typical Americans, are we? We know that there is an afterlife. We know that heaven and hell actually do exist. We know that the most important possession that we have is our soul. We know that's the most important possession we have because we know it's going to last forever. So why is it that our life sounds so similar to this rich fool? I have to be honest with you. When I was preparing for this sermon, see, every sermon I, I come up with very specific applications for your life. And, and to be honest with you, I was kind of afraid to come up with one for this one. Because this is a very touchy subject matter, I know. Talking about materialism and money. And so I just want you to think about yourself. Well, someone once said that if you want to find out what your own priorities are, just do two things. Look at your, your checkbook and your schedule. Look at the way you spend your time and the way you spend your money. And that's how you're going to see what your priorities really are in life. So if you think about that, are the things that you do, the time you spend, the money that you spend focused on preparation for this life or for the next life? See, the problem that our lesson states was, it says specifically the very last verse, that he wasn't being rich toward God. What does that mean? He was plenty rich, wasn't he? He had a lot of physical blessings. But you see, his riches, his physical riches, hid the fact that he was spiritually poor. He could not even see his real poverty. It's kind of like the idea of a a grandpa playing a a trick on the grandson where he has a, a nickel and a dime. Says, well, which one do you want? Well, this one's bigger, right? It's shinier. I think I'll take that one. But that's the same thing that we do too, isn't it? We're so focused on the stuff of this world, the things that we can see, rather than what actually has value: in it, our soul, our spiritual life. We may not always think far enough into the future. We may not always be preparing for the right thing, but our Savior did. See, from the moment that Jesus came into this world, he had his priorities straight. I mean, think about it. The all-powerful God, the creator of the universe, was born to a very poor family, born naked with absolutely nothing. And then later on in life, he became a carpenter, took on the job of his, his father, a, a carpenter. For somebody who knew all things, who was all-powerful, he became a carpenter. Apparently, there's more to life than just a career. And later on, when he was in the desert, and Satan was there tempting him, he hadn't eaten for 40 days, and he tempted him by saying, well, just turn that rock into some food. He offered him money and power. But Jesus said no. Because apparently there's something more important than power, and money, and even food. And when Jesus was met by those soldiers who he knew were later on going to whip him and beat him and put him on that cross, even though he had the power to escape, he didn't. Because apparently there's something even more important than life itself. See, our Savior not only showed us what our priorities are, but he prepared you for the afterlife, whether you like it or not. He did. He removed each and every one of your sins. And he made you a place in heaven. If you want to talk about someone who was successful, people might not always look at Jesus because on the day that he died, he probably didn't have a dollar to his name, and he never started any great businesses, did he? Think about what he accomplished. He removed the sins of the entire world. He removed your specific sins of greed and materialism. And then he established the kingdom of God in your hearts. And now he reigns at the right hand of God with all power and authority. I'd call that successful. That's what he's done for you and me. He's prepared us for the afterlife, he's given us everything that we need so that heaven is ours. And seeing how our Savior did everything to set his priorities straight in life to save us, doesn't it make sense that we are going to rethink our own priorities in life and what true riches actually look like? And I want you to think about it in this way. If you had the opportunity to double your retirement fund, would you do it? If you had the opportunity to take a job, a better job than what you have, one that you'd love, one that pays more, less hours, less stress, would you do it? Yeah. If you had the opportunity to make an investment in a stock that would not fail but would only gain exponentially, would you invest? Definitely. In fact, it probably even gets you excited thinking about it, doesn't it? See, I'm not talking about physical riches. I'm talking about spiritual riches that are already ours, did you know that when you come to worship and you receive the Lord's Supper, your, the strength of your faith goes through the roof? And knowing that that's the case, how are you going to prioritize your life this next year? For Bible study, you know that when you sit down and study God's word, the Holy Spirit's working to take care of the one possession that you have that actually lasts, your soul. And if that's the case... How are you going to prioritize this next year? For your children, We have Sunday school confirmation class, you have an opportunity for home devotions with them. Knowing that that is going to help them incredibly in their spiritual health, even more than than feeding them the right things physically and, and making sure they do their homework, how are you going to prioritize their lives this next school year? Life is all about preparation, isn't it? But not just for this life. More importantly, for the life that's coming. Sigmund Freud, uh, one of his favorite stories is about a sailor who was shipwrecked. um, And he found himself on one of the South Sea islands. And when he got there, he washed up on shore, and all the natives came. They hoisted him up on on their shoulders, and they made him king. And... What they did was they told him and he figured out that he could only be king for just one year. Apparently they've been doing this for quite some time. And he thought to himself, well what happens to the past king, you know, all the past kings who were kings for a year? Well, they told him he's desert they abandoned him on a deserted island where eventually they starved to death. So what this sailor decided to do was use the one year that he had to prepare. And during his year, he commanded the carpenters that were on the island to build boats. And he commanded the farmers to go to that deserted island and plant fruit trees. And he commanded the masons to go to that deserted island and build buildings. And they they made crops on that island so that when he was finally banished to that deserted island, it wasn't deserted anymore. But it was an island of abundance. Let's use the time that we have now to prepare. Not for this life for the next one to come and store up treasures that last. Amen. Please stand.